Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon. I am your hostess, your groove mistress, spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jen or Jennifer or JP. I am just happy to be here with you. And, um, yeah, pause a moment. You know, people have asked about the transporter and the doorman, but they just don't seem to be wanting to uh, think he's on vacation. So, uh, So it's me talking to you, saying thank you so much to everybody. First, let me say thanks to everyone who is uh, subscribing, whether you subscribe here on Blog Talk Radio or Apple iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, Last FM, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Thank you for subscribing to Madam Perry Salon. Also, uh, some people have been on Stitcher and on the Stitcher page and left a review for the show, and I thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it because of the fact that you do follow the show, you download it, you share it with people. Uh, That helps me continue to get great guests like I've had lately, well, like I always have, like I've got coming up and like I've got tonight. Um, Last night... Last night was uh was fun. It was Jimmy Mack. Um he's got the um a PhD in metaphysics and a doctor of divinity. He was here uh working on us last night and also uh recently we had Franny Goldie uh has written many, many hit songs for people like Jody Watley, Diana Ross, Pussycat Dolls, the Commodores, talking about her clothing line, uh Frannygoldie dot com. If you go there, and now that she's a, a clothes designer, her clothes have been featured in Oprah and on The View. Go there, buy something, buy some magic pants or buy whatever you want, and put MPS for Mani- Mad- <laughs> for Madame Berry Salon there for your discount, and she'll give you a special discount uh, just for uh, listening. And week after next... I've got Sage Nicole coming in. Now, some people know Sage Nicole. If you've listened to the band, The Regrets, uh, it's a great band. And like the last four or five years, they've been traveling around the world to every major uh, music event. They've been on Kimmel, Conan, uh, Jimmy Fallon, all the major TV shows. Uh, Sage was the bass player, backup singer, and uh, she's not with them now, but she's also, she still does music, but she's an artist and uh, a model has a YouTube channel, and I can't wait to have her on here. She's fantastic. So many good things. But tonight, another thing about tonight's guest is I love it when people send me texts and go, how did you get this guy? What? What did you do? How'd you, how did you get this guest? Well, um, sometimes you just have to ask very, very nicely, and I did. I am such a fan uh, this man's work, and so excited to have him here. Uh, he's a regular contributor to Mad Magazine. That um, he's written for. He's a cartoonist writer. He's written for National Lampoon. Um, 
SpongeBob Comics, Playboy, American Bystanders, Split Cider. Um, he's got a collection of cartoons, a book called Damn It, I Swallowed Another One. Uh, Ain't It Cool News called him the dark side of the far side. And uh, I'm going to tell you a few more things about him. But first, I'm, I'm just glad to have him right here sitting beside me in the genie bottle. Kit Lively. Kit, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. That's a very nice build-up, and I'm, I'm afraid I can only let everyone down at this point. Oh, well, give them a little time. You know, don't let them down yet, but I'm <laughs> let down. You're just pulling my leg. Uh, I am just so happy to have you here. And also, I read something. I've got to find out about this. Um, you have a, mm-hmm. a superhero secret identity, which I guess is not so secret if I found out about it, the quilting bee. <laughs> Who is the quilting bee? Um, uh, do I? I wonder okay, if maybe that's, better. um, I, 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 I have actually done some, uh, uh, some superhero spoof stuff, uh, for a couple places. So that might be, uh, <laughs> something that I, I, I admittedly, um, uh, write probably like 20 to 25 jokes a day. And so sometimes, uh, some of them get past me. Um, so that <laughs> might be. Uh, one of one of my uh, one of my uh, fake superhero uh, things that I've that I've done. So uh, not not quite as, uh, as as dark as my history gets. But Bob, how long did you did you write? Did I find sometimes people in these creative arts or the writers or so forth um, start writing and drawing cartoons as a kid in school? Did you were you always funny as a I, I knew like- that this is what I, I, I well I was class clown for a while and then um, when puberty hit that kind of threw me for a loop and that's pretty much when I started uh, instead of being funny out loud I, I, I when I when I hit prepubescence I for some reason I it, it really uh, clammed me up and I was suddenly very uh, very shy and very passive. Um, and so in order to still, uh, get my stuff out there, uh, I began to make, uh, little magazines, um, uh, that were sort of my versions of, of MAD or, or National Lampoon, uh, which were probably my, my two biggest inspirations. And so I would just do my own homemade versions and I would usually just make one copy. And instead of selling them, I would just pass them around at school and if they didn't get taken up by a teacher, which quite often they, they were, uh, they would usually be returned to me by, by the end of the day. And, and then I would begin to work on, on the next month's issue. All right. That sounds good. Did you make any money off of them? <laughs> no, at, at that point, I mean, I would put a price on them. But since I had one copy and I just had made one copy by hand, uh, I couldn't really sell it. Um, so... I, uh, I mean, luckily my parents were still supporting me at that time, so it wasn't as as much of an issue as it as it could have been later. Um, but I had like a fifty cent, you know, price on the cover, and I, but I, no, I never, I never sold it. I would just pass it around to people and 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 listen to them laugh, and uh, and that kind of, you know, uh, the uh, you know, the prepubescent version of of getting one's rocks off, you know, uh, just from from hearing everybody laughing at it. So it probably made you quite a popular guy. I guess I'm thinking about you know the the uh, writer Jackie Collins. 
Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what she said she used to, uh, when she was in school, you know, from around sixth, sixth grade on, she would start, she was already writing, you know, her erotic, uh, racy stories in school, and she would write them, and she would charge the other students, uh, all her classmates, charge them per page to read it. If they wanted to get to the next page, they had to pay her again, so... See, I was I was never much of a of a businessman. I think I was probably, uh, you know, I needed those laughs uh, too much, you know, and I I couldn't pretend that I didn't. The laughter is a high, isn't it? It it really it really is, and it is a quite an addictive one. You know, it's sort of like uh, the uh, the opiate of of emotions. You know. Yeah, that's uh, um, I, I did stand up for a while, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's like a good oh, yeah. night, like it, but uh, a bad night. There's no, there's no death like that, <laughs> like a death. No, and, and there is a lot of uh, a lot of rejection and and the the writing side of it too. Um, but, but I mean, even that you um, you sort of uh, get used to, and and it, and even a rejection is preferable to. You know, it's a no reaction. You know, she's just tossing something out there, to, you know, to the void or whatever. What was the first um, the first time you published some some of your work was published or bought professionally? Where was that, and, and when, and how old were you? Um, that probably would have been um, in my late teens, early twenties. Um, I had been uh, self publishing. As I continued the self-publishing uh, model that I came up with when I was in fifth grade, and kind of kept doing that until I was um, I was in college, and I was the editor of my college humor magazine, and um, we got we got banned from using the school facilities after uh, the first issue, and everyone was complaining about the content. So I decided, <laughs> well, I would uh, I would start my own humor magazine and just sell it, you know, through. Uh, uh, like a zine, you know, this was in the 90s when zines were, were kind of all the rage. So I thought, well, this makes a humor zine. And uh, and I did fairly well with that. And then other places began to uh, just, you know, take stuff from, from my zine and use it in their in their small press publications. And that sort of just led to, to you know, the bigger places and, and humor magazines. And uh, I guess probably the, one of the first places was uh, Joe Bob Briggs had a um, – a humor magazine at the time called uh, We Are the Weird, uh, which was based on his um, uh, spoof of We Are the World that he'd gotten in a lot of trouble for. And so instead of meekly bowing down, uh, he, of course, just named his magazine after the one thing that had gotten him in a lot of trouble. And he um, used uh, cartoons and and small pieces of humor uh, other than his writing, and and he started to publish uh, me in, in in his magazine. Great. All right. So people were already getting you. I mean, you knew that, that your sense of humor found its audience, was finding its audience already in school and then college and so forth. So um, how, how does that feel when you know you found your people? Because, And I'm asking this because now everybody says, you know, you know when people – are writing a book or they're coming up with a promotion or whatever, or a proposal, they'll say, you know, they always ask, well, who is the book for? Oh, well, it's for anyone that can read. And you know it's not. Uh, I have a blog of uh, of essays. I can't write stuff like you do, but I have a blog of essays, true stories, 
of my life, and it's called Memoirs of a Misanthrope. And these these are mm. the stories that, that actually you know happen in my life. And I just learned to realize that, hey, these scenarios are put around me, and and they really are funny, even if they're frustrating, or weird. And I started sharing them, but then sometimes people would comment on the blog, "That's funny," or "Do you carry a, you know, do you carry a weapon?" <laughs> or mean. That was mean. So I thought, okay, some people think I'm mean. Some people think, uh, you know, I'm in danger. Some go, oh, that's so funny. But um, how does it feel when you find your audience? And do you think you've, is there a certain type of people that are Kit Lively fans? Well, I mean, it's it's always a mixed bag because, I mean, yeah, it is nice to find people who want to publish your work and who are willing to pay you for it and and when you get, you know, nice emails or letters or whatever from people who've enjoyed your work, but it's never just all that. I, I mean, even as a kid, um, when I was producing material that I, I consider, especially now, to be fairly innocuous, um, I, you know, grew up in, in Texas. I'm still in Texas, which, you know, baffles me to no end, um, <laughs> but why I'm, why I'm still uh, hanging out here. Uh, because uh, people in Texas made it clear that I wasn't uh, welcome here from an early age. Uh, I was constantly being told that my work was, you know, going to have the fires of Hades licking at my heels, you know, before too much longer and, uh, and had, you know, uh, and these were adults, you know, uh, talking to a child and saying, you know, you need to go, you need to go home and pray uh, and, and things like that. And again, fairly innocuous stuff, you know, maybe, some, you know, boob and fart jokes or whatever, um, which, you know, eight, eight nine, ten-year-old boy, I mean, that's, you know, pretty uh, standard. Um, and, and even today, you know, you get people who are uh, who, who are offended or um, some of the political cartoons that I was doing recently for uh, Mad Magazine's blog, um, where they run a lot of political stuff, the people in the comments, you know, yeah this is too dark for mad, you know, why, how can mad publish, you know, something like this? Um, so, I mean, there's always going to be, uh, people who, uh, who like your stuff and, and plenty of other people who don't. And, uh, and it seems like it's sometimes the latter who, who are more free and easy with, uh, with disclosing their opinion. So, uh, I mean, it's, um, as far as, uh, who would be in a, I, I would think that, um, I mean, I'm hoping the answer is not, you know, serial killers for, for people who would enjoy my work. Right? Probably just anyone with a, with an odd sense of humor or um, someone who, who likes seeing, you know, stuffed shirts, you know, getting the tar pounded out of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know, it took me a while to realize you were serious about adults when you grew up, you know, saying that your stuff, you know, you're going straight to hell. Oh, sure. Do we- I, I did. I thought you were just kidding at first, but you're serious, you know. Then, then again, you know, you want to just. You wish you could have just said, you know, well, heck, shame to heat up all that room and nobody be there. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there, kid. I'll bring the good chocolate, you <laughs> crackers, okay? Yeah. It seems, uh, it seems like it might not be a bad place, you know. But most of my friends are going to be there too, so I, you know, I'll make my, I'll make it work. <laughs> hey, I've been going to high yoga, so it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, exactly. Which, Just pace yourself. How hard is it? Because I guess it would be kind of ghosting. How hard is it to, or what what means do you use to switch personas? Whether you're writing for Mad 
or SpongeBob comics or uh, Playboy or um, Weekly Humors. Well, how do you how do you switch personas when you're writing? Because I know it's what you write for SpongeBob is in someone else's voice, the characters. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it comes from a very similar place um, because um, most of most of my my work is is um, a, a variation of, of a few different kinds of, of I don't know if you want to say themes or just types of humor. I tend to like things that are bizarre and dark and, and off color. And so most of these places that I work for kind of can be covered by by those different types of humor. But then when it comes to something like SpongeBob, and I, and I'm also working on a on a on a kids book right now, a kids humor book, but still a kids book. And and really, what what's involved in something like that is probably the biggest change of, of voice. And and usually when I'm working on something that's for a younger audience instead of just totally changing my voice, I just sit down and write like I always do. But then when things get, you know, too ugly, I just pull back. So I'm, I'm still able to be, you know, odd and peculiar, maybe a little gross, uh, maybe a little uh, offbeat, but I know where to stop. Whereas if I were writing something for Matt or, or Weekly Humorist or something, um, I know that I can keep going, um, but if I'm writing something for SpongeBob or or anything for for more of a of a younger audience, I can I just know when I have to kind of apply the brakes a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, <laughs> one of my uh, favorites and uh, like this and, and Weekly Humorist, Weekly Humorist. I like the advice column. Uh, Dr. Kit Lively. <laughs> uh, clearly a, a, a man with a lot of credentials there. <laughs> I like sometimes, sometimes when I read, uh, I was reading and I thought, um, okay, some of this sounds like Dr. Phil, actually. Do you write for him as well? <laughs> uh, Dr. Phil and I have never been in the same place at the same time, so make up your own uh, decision as to what that exactly that means. You know, come to your own conclusions. Uh, like the, uh, especially the, um, let's see, one of the, uh, uh, one of it where the somebody, my husband's a golfer, he comes home wearing different pants than the house, than the pants he left the house wearing and all this stuff, and then uh, signed by Paranoid and Annoyed, and then down at the end of the, your, your uh, Dr. Kitt's response, it says, uh, as my aunt Corvillerist used to say, the lizard won't drop, but the corn is already spent for winter. I thought, my God, that's very Dr. Phil. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, I think, I think after all these years, it still holds true. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I've always tried to live my life by. And then so far, you know, I, I think it's turning out pretty well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, that's <laughs> new one on me, but I, I will take that to heart. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. that. Just I, try it. You'll see. You know, <laughs> it's not for everyone, admittedly. Okay. Um, when did you start to write for Playboy? I actually, uh, truth be told, and maybe my my mom will be relieved to hear this. I, I only got work into Playboy uh, once, 
Now, my my experience with with Playboy goes way back, um, but as far as actually getting uh, getting some work in there, it was a uh, it was just one cartoon. Uh, but I figured uh, that was that was enough for me to to slap it on on my resume because this was right before they stopped using cartoons, and I was like, well, this, I I got my foot in the door only for for I uh, to lose several toes when when they slammed it shut. Uh, it was uh, right uh, got one in right before they they stopped using them. Uh, but you got yeah, well, glad you got it but in I got there before in, you... so it, it counts. Yes. Yes, it does. It does count. Um, <laughs> so, uh, is your mother listening now? Is she here? I don't know. I, I don't. I usually, I her. usually don't tell her till after the interview, so that, uh, so that just in case, I I uh, say something horrible because she's a she's a very conservative, God fearing woman. So, um. I wait until after the interview so I can edit, you know, her own version, you know, her own three-minute version. <laughs> okay. By the way, if you're listening to us live tonight, and this is August 6th, uh, 2019, uh, talk to Kit Lively, uh, hilarious writer, cartoonist. I've been a fan so long. and glad to have him here. Um, and if you want to call and talk to him, the number is 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. Or if you've got something, a comment or a question, and you can't call in because maybe you're still at the at the job or um, you've got to be real quiet or something for some reason, then you know you can always message a question to me either on Facebook, either through Jennifer Modette Perry or the Madam Perry Salon page, and I'll definitely get it. But, but yeah, kids... Um, Kit, I'm pretty sure he knew he was going to take some calls, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So give us I a can, ring. I can, uh, I can talk to people in small doses but, uh, without, without you know, uh, crawling back into my shell. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> when you do I see a lot of, when I was looking for uh, different photos to post in my, um, um, on the uh, page here on Blog Talk Radio, I mm-hmm. find pictures of you at conventions and uh, with your loyal followers. And how many <laughs> conventions do you do a year? I don't do as many as I used to. Uh, I would say these days I've, I've actually gotten it down to where um, I'll do maybe a couple. Um I got really spoiled a few years ago uh, when uh, uh, there was uh, uh, some uh, local guys who did um, a, a Mad Magazine uh, centric um, show, and uh, and it would just be uh, usually like a day or two, uh, and it was um, I mean there were other guests, but it was mostly just Mad guys, and so you know get a lot of uh, Mad guys in in the same place at the same time and. Um, the shows were fun and, and hanging out uh, with the other guys who were mad the night before and the night of, you know, uh, even more fun. And I think I just got so spoiled with how fun those were. Uh, and they stopped doing those like around a year or two ago uh, that other shows just have not been as fun. You know, you're just kind of sitting there. Uh, and, and it's awesome when people come up and want to talk to me and stuff. But a lot of shows, you know, are just, 
you know, dead air. I, I'm not, uh, you know, a, a cast member of Arrow or something, so I'm not going to have, you know, uh, you know, swarms of people around me 24-7. Uh, so, uh, and then when, right. uh, when uh, you're not there surrounded by the other guys for mad, cracking jokes and, and so on, it just wasn't <laughs> as much fun anymore. So I, I still do them, but I think that those mad shows uh, ruined me. I'm a, I'm a ruined man now. Hey, talk about Mad Magazine. Um, what what's happened? Why did it? Why they quit the original content? And I saw as as people were lamenting that announcement, I saw somebody on um, on Twitter said, "Okay, all you people whining and complaining about Mad Magazine uh, cutting off, uh, you know, new content." When's the last time you bought one? You know, they said, which, which is that's true. If you're not buying it, and and my answer is, last month, I bought two because I bought one for myself and one for my for my 25 year old nephew. So well, see, okay, you're out there doing the doing the good Lord's work. So thank you, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So what? So why? Why that? And that and that last issue. I mean, that was great. It had there was one piece in there by, by Jim Gaffigan and his son, and there was you know so much good stuff yeah. in there. It's you know uh, it's really uh, puzzling, and and you know uh, circulation uh, has been up, and um, we had been getting a lot of uh, really great publicity, uh, <clears throat> and of course the. Um, the thing with the, you know being in the new Quentin Tarantino movie that has helped a lot, so it was kind of an odd time to pull the plug. Um, it, it might have just been uh, coincidental with with it happening at the same time as uh, being in the Quentin Tarantino movie, but uh, you know I don't I'm I'm just as puzzled as, as anybody, and there hasn't been a whole lot of um, official uh, word you know from the powers that be. It was just kind of like. Well, here's what's happening, and of course we were all told, you know, by the editors of of what was happening. You know, it's kind of like, oh well, that's you know, that's kind of it. We're you know, the, the magazine, as we know it at least, um, is, is currently ending, and so we all got our um, our official emails and everything, but there wasn't really um, a whole lot to go on, uh, and even now, you know, we're just kind of um, pulling bits and pieces from various you know news stories, and, and of course we're talking with each other. And uh, you know, some of the guys will hear something from someone else, and then the rest of us will will all talk or text about it. Um, so we're all, I think, just kind of finding out along with everybody else. I mean, I'm sure there are people with um, who are more privy to the nuts and bolts of it, but uh, the writers and artists and so on, we're just kind of like, um, you know, holy crap, what happened uh, when you know things were, you know, were seemingly not only doing well, but, you know, but seemingly, you know, doing, doing better. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a bite the big one moment for sure. Yeah, seriously. And we're, um, I've said, and then, there were, you know, I've seen a few people ranting, raving, you know, on social media about, you know, well, you know, bring it back or whatever. But do you think there's any chance of that? Um, I, I really think that, that mad as, 
um, a brand name, you know, or a comedy icon is probably never uh, going to go away. I mean, I, um, I, I really doubt that, that DC um, Comics, who owns Mad, and then, you know, go up the chain even further, Warner Brothers, uh, who owns DC Comics, are going to get rid of something that has such um, name brand recognition and so much appeal to so many people, even if they weren't buying the magazine anymore, maybe they would, you know, go see a movie, Mad Magazine Presents, you know, such and such, you know, uh, Raunchy Rascals Part 2 or something. Like that probably sounds too much like an adult film, which I certainly don't think that Mad would uh, would promote adult films. Well, the writers will watch plenty of them, but I, don't, I can't see the, the magazine actually promoting it. Uh, but, you know, something like that, something where they could slap the, the name on, on something – um, as far as the magazine, um, I would, I mean, just in my personal opinion, I would not be surprised if, if X amount of years down the road, they, um, you know, decided to, you know, reboot, reboots are always big, um, or maybe do something where it's, um, uh, online content that seems to be, uh, you know, the thing to do these days. I know that, um, the Onion, of course, was always an online um, feature, but but they also, you know, had the um, the newspaper version, you know, the little periodical that they stopped doing ultimately, but then they kept, you know, doing it online, and I think they've been successful with that. So perhaps something like that, and again, that's just pure speculation, but it kind of, to me, getting rid of Mad is completely would be like getting rid of, you know, like Batman. Uh, it's just it doesn't. It, it seems unthinkable, you know. I mean, maybe uh, the format, uh, you know, the way of delivering uh, that content will change. But um, I, I would be really surprised if it were gone forever, even the magazine. Did I lose you? Hello? So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well, I'll I tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who going to coach this team. They don't got no talent on they it. And I don't, I don't really feel I talk That's the truth. Hard. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right now. Do you want to talk about lunch? No. 
Well, what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Perry Salon. And I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rostar, all the dip comedians. What about people you that could, don't have rings? Here we go again. Real funny, Real funny. <laughs> but I think she's great. And I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make the laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. Hello. Hello. Hello? Hello?
Hi, this is Kit. I cannot get to my cell phone right now, even though it's in my pocket. So please leave a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you so much. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.